This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Science of Beauty, a podcast from Allure. I'm Diana Mazzone, Senior Beauty Editor. And I'm Jenny Bailly, Executive Beauty Director. On this podcast, we dive deep into the science behind beauty and the products we're always talking about and using here at Allure. Today, we're talking about a part of our bodies that could probably use a little TLC, the scalp. Which is interesting because in so many cultures, there are beauty traditions that are really rooted in scalp health. Ooh, yeah, like the Indian hair oiling technique we talked about earlier in the season, right? Yes, exactly. I was lucky enough to experience that treatment in India. And, you know, the oils are worked certainly through your hair all the way down to the ends. But a lot of the treatment is really about this massage of the scalp, the idea being that you're increasing blood flow to the scalp, and that's going to help make your hair thicker and healthier. And there's also Chinese acupuncture. I don't know if you've ever done acupuncture, Diana, but um, a lot of often the needles will, will be in your scalp, and there's actually specific techniques um, to use acupuncture to alleviate alopecia, which can make you lose your hair. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. The scalp is really central to hair health. And when you think about all that, it's pretty crazy that the Western world hasn't really talked about the scalp until recently, which is to say we didn't talk about it at all. For sure. I mean, I've been a beauty editor for like give or take a hundred years. And it's just recently, like really the last couple years that, you know, we're talking a lot more about the scalp in our reporting. There are so many more products um, so many more treatments, so much just an openness to talk about your scalp. In the past, it was kind of, you know, we spilled a lot of ink on, you know, how to care for this dead stuff that grows out of your scalp. But like talking about the scalp, like the root of it all was just kind of like, oh yeah, no, that's kind of gross. Like we would never, occasionally, maybe once or twice a year, you would talk about dandruff and how to treat dandruff, but it was kind of like, oh, let's not really get into that. You know, that's a little icky. So it's very exciting that now this kind of scalp stigma, I'd say, has lifted. And, you know, everyone from drugstore brands to like really fancy hair care brands are really leaning into the scalp. I love that. It's all part of that new movement towards transparency. And today, in fact, we have someone who's made a career educating folks about the scalp. Hi, my name is Dr. Rolanda Wilkerson. I'm a principal scientist with Head & Shoulders. Hi, Dr. Wilkerson. We are so glad to have you with us today. It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Amazing. Well, we've talked about scalp on the podcast before, but for those who might not know, is our scalp just skin? Great question. The physiology is overall the same as the rest of our body. It's just that we have many, many more hair follicles. And as a result, that creates like a unique environment on our skin that allows microbes to grow, thrive, and flourish on our scalp. How many follicles do we have? Are we talking thousands, hundreds of thousands? Yes, 
thousands of follicles. And the visible difference is the thickness of the hair grows differently on our scalp versus anywhere else on the rest of our body. Now, there is a unique difference around the edges of our hair. Um, we have vellus hairs that grow out very, very thin. And this is where over time, some people can see a lot of changes within uh, their hair on the edges because those very fine hair fibers, if you're brushing back or pulling back or not taking care of your scalp, can change. And then people can see thinning as a result. And you said the word microbes, Dr. Wilkerson, which I kind of latched onto. So is yeah. that what exactly is a microbe? It, is it dirt? Is it bacteria? It sounds bad, but can it be good? Uh, it's not bad at all. Interestingly enough, the microbiome is composed of not only bacteria, but we also have fungi, parasites, and viruses all over our body, especially within our stomach. On our scalp, a part of our unique microbiome consists of a fungus called Malassezia globosa. And we've done a lot of research throughout the years on what this unique microbiome is composed of and the role of the fungus, specifically Malassezia globosa, on our scalp. Okay, so that, that's an important, a critical part of the microbiome on your scalp in particular. That particular fungus feeds off, and it's natural to everybody, so I don't want, to, want you to think that, oh my gosh, some people have this fungus and some don't. We all have it. It's very, very natural to our bodies as we were talking about the microbiome. What happens with this particular fungus is that it feeds off of sebum. And sebum, we all produce it. That's our body's natural oils. Um, on the scalp, however, it can just sit there if we're not washing regularly. This microbiome of the malassezia can feed off of that sebum. And then if we have a unique genetic predisposition, or if you do like I do, and you're predisposed to having dandruff, we'll see then flakes. Our body says, wait a minute, something's on my skin that I don't like, and I'm trying to, the skin tries to protect itself. The protection mechanism of the skin is then what we call hyperproliferation. So the skin cells begin to speed up and start to develop more. And that's when we start to see like layers of skin on our scalp or itchiness or dryness or tightness or irritation. Wow. I'm still wrapping my mind around. Okay, so we lot. have fungus. <laughs> then we have microbes, which are the same as bacteria or separate and apart from bacteria. So microbes covers it all. Okay. So microbes is like, you know, if you're, you, we are all a part of this world. We're people. So microbes would be like the people and then you have different people in the, in the world. So then you have the fungi and the bacteria and viruses, et cetera. But the fungus is the main culprit of why many people say, oh my goodness, my scalp is itchy. My scalp is dry. My scalp feels flaky. My scalp feels irritated. And if you're not caring for your scalp regularly with products that have a scalp care active in it, like a zinc-based scalp care active, that particular problem can just continue to spiral out of control. And if not addressed, we know that the hair that emerges from our scalp um, grows unhealthy too. All of that is related to oxidative stress. So other parts of our body have microbiomes, our gut, our skin, but we don't get dandruff there. Why is that? Because of our hair. Yeah. Interesting. Because of our hair. Our hair creates this unique, warm, moist, dark environment for these microbes to grow, this fungus to grow. And because we have the production of sebum out of our, our hair follicles, the, the fungus has food. It has uh, the right environment. And the moisture, so a lot of uh, times we are prolonging our washes. We're not washing our hair every single day. Because of that, this perfect environment for the fungus to become out of balance is, is where we get you know, scalp concerns like dryness, itch. Interestingly enough, most 
most women don't describe it as dandruff. They'll say, oh, I have a dry or itchy or a flaky scalp. But oftentimes it's really using a product that has that zinc active to address the source of the issue, which is that fungus. So what is zinc and why is that the magic ingredient? Well, zinc pyrothion is the active that we have in our head and shoulders products. ZPT actually gets to the source, which is the, the fungus, to help balance out that fungus in a way. So having that unique microbiome is, is important, right? We don't want it to be exacerbated and out of balance. So zinc helps to return your scalp back to balance by addressing the source of the problem, which is the fungus. The fungus is really doing us no favors. Yeah, a lot going on. And it's a lot people don't realize. You know, we don't ever talk about our unique microbiome, our fungus on our scalp. And, and before COVID, actually, we, would, we found that a lot of people really were open to hearing about um, fungus, bacteria, viruses, et cetera. Now, understanding what's happening in the body, on the body, around the body is becoming more and more prevalent. And our environment is calling for it to be so and calling people to have pay close attention to what's happening to care for their skin and their scalp. And then we're also seeing a rise of more scalp care because of that. Because I think we tend to paint all bacteria with the same broad brush, all microbes with the same broad brush, but there's good and there's bad then it sounds like. Yes. Yes, exactly. Just like in our stomach, there's good and there's bad. The same holds true for the rest of our body as well, including our scalp. I'm also, yeah, I'm ashamed to say this is the first time I'd connected the word microbe and microbiome. Because mm. um, I think I knew, because microbiome in beauty has been talked about for a while as something that, you know, we need to be aware of and yeah. take care of. And um, I hadn't associated it with the actual yeah. microbes, which is a word that I've always thought of as icky. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. It's bad, right? Embrace your microbes. Yeah. The important thing is making sure that it's in the right balance and use products that help you get your microbiome in the right balance. And it's not necessarily a matter of adding different microbes because we sometimes hear in skincare, you know, prebiotic, probiotic, but if you're using an ingredient like zinc, it can, it can work to balance it out without adding more or less. That's that's the first step, the most important step to get it into balance. Um, when we're doing things like working out, not washing our hair, um, stress can exacerbate it. Stress can make it worse. Um, just like it shows up on our stress can show up on our skin. The same can hold true in exacerbating an unhealthy scalp as well. So it's so very important to help get that unique microbiome on the scalp back in balance. And you can only do that by having regular scalp care. And do you know why stress can can aggravate dandruff? Is it the cortisol? Is it the same cortisol that that can contribute to acne that's that's making it happen? There's the hormones. Um, there's your hormones that contribute to acne also result in the overproduction of sebum. The same thing happens on the scalp too, and the way that stress shows up on the facial skin is also similar to what happens on the scalp. But because we have that warm, moist environment that our hair creates, this is where the symptoms of dryness, itchiness, flakiness, irritation, and tightness all get exacerbated, especially if you're prone to having an unhealthy scalp or you already have an unhealthy scalp and you're not caring for it like you should. I know a lot of people maybe deal with the itchiness or dryness that you mentioned, but they wouldn't necessarily classify what they're experiencing as dandruff since they aren't seeing, you know, full on flakes. But is it dandruff? So let me rewind a a bit. Dandruff, the symptoms of dandruff shows up as flakes, itch, dryness, 
irritation and tightness. Those are all of the symptoms, right? It, it gets a name and that name is called dandruff. About 50% of us experience those symptoms. Um, and then oftentimes we bypass them with compensating behaviors. I know some people pat their scalp, some people um, skip washes. But the way you address an unhealthy scalp is any of those signs, if your scalp is itchy, if you find yourself um, having these compensating behaviors, uh, skipping washes and saying, oh no, my scalp itches, but I really should wash it, but I'll, I'll wait until tomorrow, I'll wait until the next day. That's causing your scalp to be even more unhealthy. So you're highly, if you're experiencing that itch, dryness, flaking on a pretty regular basis and choosing to skip washes, it's very likely that you do have uh, dandruff. But like I said, most of us will describe it as, oh, well, I have a dry scalp or I have a flaky scalp. One other thing that I would love to also mention too is our scalps change just like our skin. Um, our skin, mature, I'll use the word matures. It, it changes as we mature, right? Our scalp changes as we mature as well. Oftentimes people will recognize that um, when they get even more mature, so older in age, and they'll say, oh, my hair's changed. The diameter of my hair has changed. The density of my hair has changed. A lot of that starts first with, with the scalp and changes in the scalp. Some of those first signs of those changes also show up as dryness, itchiness, and tightness. Again, regular scalp care is so very important, just as regular skin care is important, because we can help to mitigate some of those signs happening sooner. And we talked about, you know, as you age and your scalp changes, so is dandruff something that you're... that can't happen before puberty. Like it needs that sebum to exist. So that's right. Okay. And that's right. Yeah. We see um, oftentimes parents will say, oh my goodness, my kid is experiencing this now. I don't know what to do or what should I do? And that's because dandruff happens at the onset of puberty. And that's when the sebum production to your point, Jenny, begins. That's when kids start to see acne. That's when they may also see dandruff if they're dandruff prone and predisposed. And again, about 50% of the population is you know, predisposed to dandruff. So only 50% of the population will ever experience dandruff or kind of does everyone experience it at some point in their lives? No, no, everyone doesn't experience it at some point in their lives. If you're predisposed, we from our, our research and data, we've seen that it's 50% of the population who carries this dandruff trait. Um, and it's those people who will experience it. Now, I'll add that if you um, are not caring for your scalp on a regular basis, there are those natural changes that can happen with the, the skin, Jenny, that I just mentioned that can also show up as you know, dryness, itchiness, and flakiness, right? Um, that genetic predisposition doesn't necessarily have to always play a, play, a, play a point in an unhealthy scalp because aging can also take place. And those changes in an aging scalp, if you're not really caring for your scalp, also show up uh, with some of those symptoms too. So no matter who you are, it's so very important to care for your scalp too. We're gonna take a quick break. And we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. 
Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Welcome back to the science of beauty. So can dandruff contribute to hair thinning or can it kind of, you know, everyone's hair naturally thins as we age. Can it speed up that process? So when the scalp is unhealthy, especially in a dry dandruff scalp, we will experience some, and you hear me saying we because I am prone to to dandruff as well, I'm predisposed. When the scalp is in a dandruff state, um, and and I'll say this too, dandruff can't be cured. Uh, It requires regular care. If you have it, you will have it uh, throughout your life. The important piece is to care for it regularly. In a dandruff scalp, there's oxidative stress. Uh, essentially, there's uh, free radical damage in the skin, in the scalp skin, and that makes the scalp unhealthy. When the scalp is unhealthy, the hair that comes out of the scalp emerges unhealthy too, making the hair uh, oxidatively damaged as well. And that damage happens even before it comes out, your hair comes out of the hair shaft. Added on top of that would be scratching. So. Oftentimes people will scratch in between washes because they don't want to wash right away. Over time, you are breaking and wearing down the hair fiber and removing the cuticles, which results in breakage. So we've heard a lot from women and men who said, oh, my my scalp is itchy. I have dandruff. I might have dandruff, but my hair also feels thin. If that happens, you're seeing breakage from the scratching too. So there are a combination of factors that can change the look of the hair because of an unhealthy scalp. Oh, that's interesting. I get like, and now of course, as we're talking about this, I'm itching. I, I feel of like- Of course, yeah. that happens all the time. It works. <laughs> I know, right? You must be itching all the time. Um, yes. <laughs> I get the most itchiness around, it's like around the nape of my neck, kind of the back of my head. Is that the most common area? Or does everyone have kind of different areas of the scalp that can be more prone? We're all pretty different in terms of how we experience it. Um, When we run our studies to understand the efficacy of our products, we look at different quadrants of the scalp to understand levels of itch, levels of flaking, levels of dryness. And we even look at that fungus in terms of have we been able to get it back in balance on the scalp too. So we, to your question, it's not just the same area for everybody. Okay. And do we need, I've always wondered, like when I use head and shoulders, should I leave it on, does it need to be on my scalp a certain amount of time? Like if I rinse too quickly, can it still do its job? Now, that's a good question. Our products have been designed to uh, develop, take that active when activated with water, it forms something called what we call a coacervate that deposits the active right where it's supposed to be on the scalp. So the fungus lives in um, the crevices and the upper parts of the hair follicle. We call that the infundibular region. When we wash our hair, it's so very important to use the pads of your fingers and massage the shampoo and conditioner in on your hair, on your scalp and hair, so that you're getting the active down to the scalp, which is where it matters the most. Um, you do not do not have to let it sit for, you know, some people say, oh, you know, I wanna do a, let it sit for five minutes, 10 minutes. You don't have to do that. It's been optimized to deposit onto the scalp just as it's supposed to be. And we've run hundreds of clinical studies to be able to demonstrate that. Should we be exfoliating our scalps or is that a natural process that's already happening? 
So exfoliation of skin is, is a natural process that happens. However, with people who have dry, flaky scalps, that natural exfoliation process doesn't really happen. Added to that, we have that extended wash frequency. And oftentimes we're, we're using other products, styling products in between. So then there's buildup on top of that. If that's the case, and if you're, if you're doing those types of things with your hair and your scalp, so very important to add an additional step to help to exfoliate the scalp, um, removing some of that buildup. Um, and then you can also help to dislodge uh, some of those flakes. But if you're not using a lot of products in between those washes and you just have a dry, flaky scalp, it's okay to start first with your, your shampoo too. But exfoliation, even for the skin, is always good to build in. And how many times a week, say, can you do that? I would recommend um, if you're washing, say, for example, twice a week, I would recommend at least building it in every other wash we haven't talked at all about oily. I mean, if you're someone who has an oily scalp, will exfoliation benefit you there? What can you do to get it in balance on kind of the other side of things? For oily scalps, I would recommend um, not only just, you could exfoliate, right? Um, some people who have an oily scalp may not necessarily see the buildup of the flakes from a dry scalp. Um, that, that doesn't mean that the flakes aren't there. An oily scalp requires good cleansing and cleaning. There was this thing during COVID, um, it's a kind of sebum cure, they were talking sebum cure, where they would just not wash and just let the sebum sit on the scalp. Yeah, Jenny, right. You, you, you see your face like, what? <laughs> they would let the sebum just sit on the scalp in the effort of helping the scalp. When the sebum sits on the scalp, the sebum breaks down. So when you have an oily scalp and you don't wash your scalp regularly, that sebum, um, components in the sebum break down and they oxidize. And when they oxidize, they become harmful to the scalp skin. So this is yet another mechanism of making the scalp unhealthy. So, so very important to cleanse on a regular basis. And then I know some people have concerns with different types of um, cleansers in shampoos, for example. Um, the important thing to note is sebum comes back almost immediately after you wash. However, if you have an oily scalp, an overproduction of sebum, that can happen even more so. And if you prolong your washes, just imagine it's just kind of like a, a pool of sebum on your scalp skin in addition to everything else that you're doing at it, you know, working out, sweating. So every time you work out, you should probably wash your hair, right? Yes. I've heard people go multiple workouts without washing, and that's not good at all. Um, a wet scalp, leaving a scalp wet over time is not good either, because that also creates that warm, wet, moist environment. And then people throw on caps on top of that, which makes it even worse too. Um, if you're using, I know this sounds really scary and, oh my gosh, not good, but if you're using products that have scalp care actives, like the zinc-based active that I talked about, you can mitigate a lot of that because it, it, can, it works over time. I was just going to ask how you feel about dry shampoo, if that's a real pain point for you. You know, I know for stylists, things like dry shampoos and co-washes, they're like, nope, it is completely out. That's not me. And that's because I know that when you do things in moderation and as it's intended to, be used and designed to be used, 
it can work for you. So when I have my blowout, my hair is naturally curly, as you can see. Um, when I have a blowout, I'm not going to wash my hair the next day. Not going to happen because it takes hours for my hair to be blown out. I'm not even going to wash it two days later or three days later. So as a result, if I'm trying to keep that flowy blowout look, I'm going to use, I use dry shampoo. How long do you go, Dr. Wilkerson? I can go a week, um, a, a little week. over okay. a week. Yeah, exactly. We appreciate it, your honesty. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. But I don't do that without using my leave-on treatments for my scalp. I do not skip that at all. So I'm the first to admit I will have a prolonged wash frequency, but I'm also admitting that I will use my head and shoulders products. For me, um, I, I use products that are also catered to my curly hair texture. And then I also use dry shampoos, but I use that in a way that it is intended to. You're not supposed to use dry shampoos on your scalp, but naturally they can get to your scalp. And as a result, it's so very, very important to introduce a um, wash, shampoo, and conditioner step a few days after you use, or a day after you use your dry shampoo, because dry shampoos build up, not only on the scalp, but it can also build up on the hair. Dry shampoos are intended for the hair and not the scalp. Wait, I feel like I've been applying dry shampoo wrong, because I get right up <laughs> in there to, at my scalp. I know, that's the only yeah. place I put it, is like, yeah. Because that's where the oil is, yeah. right? That's where a lot of the oil is, and you want that uplift, but it's also not working for your scalp. And think about maybe what you're doing long-term for your scalp, especially if you don't have regular scalp care um, in your, your hair care regimen. So should I be like lifting my hair section by section and spraying like... Your hair. The head. So do not go yes. downward into the scalp. Lift the hair right. up and up and away. Mm -hmm. Wow. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you. This is a great discussion. I really appreciate it. Who could have imagined there are so many things to learn about the skin at the top of your head? So many. In fact, I now know that I have little residents on my scalp, those fungus. I, I'll never be alone again. It, none of us will be. Everyone has <laughs> fungus on their scalp. So it's, there's, it's nice that we're all together in that. <laughs> on to the short list. Jenny, what are your favorite products for taking care of your scalp? Okay. Well, I do. I use a scalp brush um, on a pretty regular basis. I have one from... Briogeo. It's just sort of um, almost like a tangle teaser in shape, but with like short kind of rubber bristles. Um, and I work that like before I get in the shower and shampoo, I work the brush over my scalp to loosen any flakes or debris or product buildup. Um, and it feels really good. And it's something I started doing actually after we did a, a scalp episode in season one of Science and Beauty. I don't know if you remember that one, Diana, but we had a trichologist on and he was making the point that, you know, it, it's so helpful to kind of loosen anything up that's on the scalp so you can wash it away. That was also an episode where we all watched a um, magnified video of my scalp. Ah, I remember that one. Yeah, right. That was a a very wild video. So it's seeing like every flake and, you know, dry skin product buildup, like kind of waxy, like everything was just right there. Very, yeah. 
very blown up. And after that, I said, you know what? I think I will use this scalp brush. So do you see Um, the gunk on the brush after you've gone through your hair? Do you actually see that that icky stiff? You don't see anything on the brush. It just kind of like loosens things up, if that makes sense. Like if you were wearing like a black robe, you know, you would see kind of some flakes coming down. Um, You kind of almost could see sometimes you might see like some flakes or things in your hair. Um, But it doesn't really get on the brush. Got it. And then I get in the shower and shampoo. And so in my shower, I do – I have head and shoulders. I use head and shoulders on a pretty regular basis. Um, Not every time I shampoo, but maybe every like third time. But I always have that in my shower. I feel like in the summer when I've got sweat and sunscreen, if I'm smart enough to put sunscreen on my scalp, I like something exfoliating. So I have enjoyed the Virtue Exfoliating Scalp Treatment. It has kind of a creamy base, so it's still hydrating, but it's got little granules in there that help get off the ick, as we said. Um, But then, like this time of year, my scalp is on the drier side. So that's when I'll pull out a scalp serum. I, too, enjoy Head & Shoulders. I have the Supreme Hydrating Scalp Serum in my rotation right now. And I like that one because it has a little dropper applicator so you can get right in there. And if you're only itchy in one area, for example, you can just kind of target that spot. For now, today on The Science of Beauty, that is it. Next week, please join us for our final episode of the season. I can't believe it's already the final episode of the season, where we'll be talking about a topic we've been dying to investigate, hair color. Get it? Dying to investigate hair color. Tune in for more next week. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate it and leave us a review. And subscribe. It helps new listeners find us. You can find additional information and episode references in the show notes. Follow Lore on Instagram at A-L-L-U-R-E. Follow me, Jay Bayi, on Instagram. That's J-B as in boy, A-I-L-L-Y. And you can follow Diana at Diana Mazone. That is two N's in Diana and two Z's in the zone. On the Allure and Condé Nast team, producer is Chloe Sabin. Associate producer is Deprina Gadbolo. Director of Global Podcast is Nico Steele. And executive producer is Megan Shibona. The editorial project leads are Soini Driscoll and Monica Perry. Lead researcher is Maya Kukis. And the theme music is by Asha Ivanovich. And on the Wonder Media Network team, lead producer is Maddie Foley. Supporting producer is Sundas Hassan Noli. Production manager is Emily Rudder. And production assistant is Carmen Borca Carrillo. Executive producer is Jenny Kaplan. <laughs>